This is Inside Berkeley. I'm Kim Ashton. On this episode of Inside Berkeley, we talk to Joy Allen, the new chair of Berkeley's music therapy department. Allen came to Berkeley this August from Loyola University in New Orleans, where she was an associate professor and the coordinator of the music therapy program. In her 17 years of experience as a music therapist, Allen has developed clinical programs along the East Coast, authored articles on the practice, won several awards, and presented at national and international music therapy conferences. Her current research involves analyzing the mental health effects of music therapy for medical patients and using guided imagery and music with medical patients. Joy Allen, welcome to Inside Berkeley. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Glad to have you here. Um, To start off with, a lot of people have heard of music therapy, but they may not understand exactly what it is. Could you talk a little bit about what music therapy is and what applications it has? Absolutely. And you're absolutely right. Music therapy is widely used, and it's a term that's widely used, but doesn't necessarily equate to what it is that we do. So the way that I like to explain it is that music therapists are using music and the relationship that develops with and through the music to affect change, whether that's behavioral, spiritual, emotional, social, cognitive change. So the great thing is, is that most of us know, whether we're musicians or not, that music has an impact. You know, anything from we'll be listening to a song and the next thing we'll know is we'll hear our feet are tapping Our bodies are moving. Um, Or it could be that we're listening to a song and it reminds us of something in our past. You know, I think about all those broken relationships and the the song that captured that relationship. (laughs) Um, It can can affect our mood. I mean, how many times have we've not found words for a particular, you know, we're going through a life experience and you hear that one song that that's it, that's what I'm feeling, but I don't Mm -hmm. have the words, but I know those are the emotions that capture. So we're basically using that power along with our training as therapists and musicians, to work with other individuals to affect change. So there's a whole process of assessment, treatment, and evaluation that goes along with this. So, you know, when we're assessing a client, it's what are the need areas, you know, whether it be children with ADHD and we're working on attention span, autism, we might be working on socialization skills, Um, a medical patient, we might be working with pain. So depending on the particular population and the corresponding need areas, and then how do we use music to meet those needs? And how can music access those areas in ways that other therapies perhaps can't. Well, and I think it all comes back down to is all of us have some type of relationship with music. You know, even from the time we're in a womb, our heartbeat is intrinsically rhythmic. Mm -hmm. And if that rhythm is off, our our body is imbalanced or we stop living. (laughs) Um, And it's the same thing, you know, if I always think of music as if you think of it, the different layers and how they form to life, you know, you've got your building blocks, rhythm, then you start acting adding melody, and that's really your voice and your identity and who you are. Add harmony, it's in our interrelationships with other people, um, your form and how it all comes in together for a complete and whole self so that when we're able to use those different elements of the music to affect change on that same level. It's interesting. I never thought about that. The fact that we hear rhythm is one of the first first things we um, we sense. Absolutely. We, before we can see, before we can, mm-hmm. I don't know, taste yes. uh, or smell. Uh, so it's really deeply embedded in us. Absolutely. Can you give me an example of a specific technique that you might use mm-hmm. in, for a certain condition? Sure. So one of the things that gets tricky with music therapy and why it makes it difficult to understand sometimes is that music therapists work with so many populations. So 
you know, some music therapists are working with developmental disabilities and intellectual disabilities. Some are working with medical populations. Some are working in mental health with at-risk children or chronically mentally ill, forensics, you know, trauma, such a wide range. Um, but when it comes down to it, there's really four main methods in music therapy that we talk about. There's improvisation, where we're creating music in the moment to achieve a certain effect or goal. There's um, what we call receptive listening experiences, where we're taking in music, whether it is to decrease heart rate, to decrease respiratory rate, or increase respiratory rate, or to you know have an effectual response. Um, then we have creating music, where we might be songwriting. And then we have recreative experiences where we might be singing and playing pre-composed songs for a particular reason. So those are those four main methods in music therapy. And then there's a, tons of techniques under each one. So if I get specific, and my background is in medical music therapy, and that's where most of my work and research is. You know, if I'm coming to a patient, I'll use an oncology patient, and I go in there and, and meet them and was referred for a particular reason. I might say, how are you? I understand you're in a high level of pain. Can you tell me about that pain? Can you rate it on a scale of 1 to 10? You know, let's say it's a 7. That gives me my baseline. Um, is there anything you've used in the past that's helped with it? You know, have you used music before? Has it helped? Um, and then I can create an intervention from there. A lot of times um, when I'm working with pain, it's using live music. So you think about some of the elements of pain. Everyone's had pain before, whether it's a headache or, you know, you got a bruise from running into something. But then you can start thinking about pain and you have some musical features to it. Think about throbbing and what that represents. Think about tension and how you can create tension in music through the music elements. So having them really describe their pain, then we can create music to match that pain. And it's what we call the ISO principle. Here's the pain. Let's match that pain. And then we can cr slowly create music resolution to help re resolve that pain. So, if, you know, it might start with a lot of dissonance and tension in the music, but then we're slowly working through the music to allow them to bring peace based on what we know about their preferences for music as well as the use of the musical elements and our knowledge of medicine in the body and how we can look at, you know, how tension is in the body, how we know that it's working. So we're getting that immediate feedback from them, um, from not only, you know, observing their body and their own reactions, but then we're able to change the music in the moment to help, help create that peace. So their body can sort of have a guide out of this. Absolutely, because, you know, what often happens is that we get stuck. You know, we think mm -hmm. about when we have issues in life, we're stuck. We either repeated the same patterns over and over again, or, you know, we can't find a way out. And if you think about music, when the music is the same over and over and over and over again, we turn it off. Mm -hmm. You know, we've stopped living in a sense. So then it's finding those new ways and alternatives within the music to help us with alternatives in life. So you can have that that metaphor of, you know, sometimes music helps us access, sometimes it helps us create or recreate or to develop new alternatives of being in the music to help translate it into everyday life. And do you have an example from your practice, something like a, a case study? Sure. I mean, we um, one of the great things in um, music therapy is that because we're always doing assessment, treatment, and evaluation, we can always look back and see if our interventions have been beneficial or not. So, you know, a couple things come into mind. Um, 
you know, I, I'm thinking of one particular of case of a a cancer patient who was really struggling with the treatment effects. This was a breast cancer patient. And I went into the room and she was in tears, hysterical, because her hair had started to fall out. Now, some of us might think, okay, your hair's falling out, no big deal. But other people, this is part of their identity. So hair falling out is a big deal, and it's not our place to judge if it is or not. Mm -hmm. So she's hysterical, crying, upset about this. I had my guitar. We just started improvising with that music. And my hair, my hair, and turning this into this improvised song that she just was able to get out. And this wasn't a musician. She was able to get out that frustration, work through it 45 minutes later, calm, and feel like she was really able to express what she needed to express, what she needed someone to hear mm -hmm. <laughs> so that she could be at peace with it. Um, this same lady, um, you know, throughout the treatment, and she equated the cancer to attacking her body, and it was extremely tra traumatic to her, and it brought up previous traumas. So through several music therapy um, sessions using different techniques, we were able to get to a place of, I don't want to say resolution, but a place of I'm, I'm, I'm where I need to be right now, and I can do what it is that I need to do to get through this treatment. And um, I'll sing a little bit of a song that um, she wrote as kind of mm -hmm. a, a wrap-up. And um, I don't quite remember the beginning of it. I don't have it with me. but um, And this was what we call um, a song affirmation. So we used a song that was really particularly important to her, and um, it was um, Hands by Jewel. And that was kind of her theme song. And we changed the words. So I'll sing a little bit of the what I can remember of the verses. And it was, Body image is always a struggle. Feeling constricted. Uncomfortable, scared, and anxious. With perfectionism. Two sides shown at times. Which day could it be? Cause there's work and then there's play with clear boundaries. My body's not the same, but it's, it's still mine and I'm not ashamed. I am free to stand tall, one complete person. So you can kind of see, and this was... It probably took us about six sessions to get to the point where here we come in with this loss that was devastating to her. Um, you know, a lot of times, particularly in medical settings, we say we're cheerleaders. We're the ones that the patients can tell their stories to because sometimes they don't want to share it with family because they don't want to be a burden. And the medical staff is busy getting the treatments in place, but being able to really express what's going on and work through emotionally and spiritually of what's going on so that they can be in a place 
that they're more effectively tolerating that treatment, as well as tolerating with the effects of the disease to begin with. So it's that whole entire process. Yeah, and obviously this was in a medical setting, Uh and you've been doing this for 17 years, like I said in the intro. How long have music therapists been going into hospitals, and how has the field changed since you started? Oh, absolutely. And the the field has changed dramatically. I mean, as a profession, as an organized discipline and profession, we didn't start until the 1950s, but music has been used historically through the ages. And the real foundings of music therapy in the United States really started in the battlefields when soldiers were injured on the field and nurses were there. They didn't have the pain medication and, you know, you're having agony right there. And they started singing and realizing that the singing was helping take that layer of edge and anxiety off to help them until they could get to the treatment that they needed. So, you know, historically, we've seen it through the nursing profession and then um, in mental health settings and realizing that the music helped provide organization to the chaotic nature of the mind, what was going on in the mind. Um, So as an organized profession, you know, your first degree programs came around in the 1950s and we had the American Music, uh, well, it was the National Association of of Music Therapy, which is now the American Music Therapy Association. But even within the last 17 years, you know, the development of the profession has kind of followed the lines of healthcare within the United States in that, you know, originally it was really focused in in mental health facilities and it was very recreational based, you know, having opportunities for participation in music, whether it be in a choir or a band or what have you. And then that turning into more, okay, so we know music's a great activity, but we also know that we can use what's happening in those activities and transfer them into other situations. Um, So then you saw, you know, as time continued, then we started working with developmental disabilities um, and then older adults. And, you know, a lot of the work with the medical healthcare settings really didn't happen until the early 90s. But now you'll see that the medical side of music therapy, including hospice, is one of the fastest growing areas for job growth and development, and we can't keep up with the demand. Um, You know, the field has changed so much in that you know, again, it used to be very recreation and activity-based where let's participate in music to now it's become, you know, neurological aspects, psychological and psychotherapy aspects, and you have different advanced trainings within the fields. Um, you know, when I went to my undergrad back in the 90s, we had two textbooks. <laughs> now we have hundreds of books to choose from. We have Cochrane Reviews, which are kind of the gold standard in medicine for um you know, clinical effectiveness and validity of, of, of a particular approach or alternative medicine. So, you know, the research has been prolific. The, this, the types of work that is happening has been pro- prolific. The demand of education has changed greatly. Um, you know, at Berkeley, we have over 150 undergrads in music therapy, and we also just started a master's program. Um, where we have a little over 30 students in the master's program right now. And, um, you know, you just see more of that push for um, we recognize music's benefits and its abilities, and you're getting more and more awareness across that. Um, um, We're seeing more and more physicians, nurses, social workers, and medical personnel aware of music therapy and its benefits and wanting to have music therapists in their facilities. So that makes me wonder, how has the job market changed for music therapists over the years? Because what you're saying is it's really expanded. It has absolutely expanded. And, you know, I would say now 
I'm new to Boston. <laughs> I've only been here maybe about six weeks now. Um, in the South, we had more jobs than we could fill. Um, so we're waiting for students to graduate. Um, and part of that is because music therapists work with such an array of populations. So it's not just, you know, a doctor you're not going to see working in a school setting. A music therapist, you have music therapists in schools. You have music therapists in nursing homes. You have them in mental health facilities. You have them in various medical facilities. So there's such a widespread population range that mm -hmm. you have specialties within that. So you see more and more jobs. You also see more and more push for graduate education within those areas as well. And Berkeley just started its graduate program yes. last year. Mm -hmm. um, and so how does the Berkeley program, both graduate and undergraduate, mm -hmm. prepare students for this diverse settings and Absolutely. all the different things they that's can a, do? That's a great question. So at the undergraduate level, the role of the of our program is to not only help students understand what music therapy is, but also how it complements what is different from music education, from being a performer, um, you know, and for other disciplines that use music. Um, and it's also to expose them to the different populations, the different approaches, and the different methods within music therapy so that, you know, by the time they finish their internship, they kind of know which area that they want to go into. The graduate level provides the more in-depth experience and expertise in that area, as well as research and supervision. So, you know, at the undergraduate level, you you have to work with all of the populations. You have to work with older adults. You have to work with special education or individuals with disabilities, you know, whether it's developmental or intellectually. You have to work in medical, um, and you have to work in mental health. Um, and then you have to do a—so you're basically doing—at Berkeley, they do five different practicum for a total of two, 200 hours prior to the completion of their coursework so that they can get exposed as well as see what speaks to them. Then they have to do a six-month full-time internship, which can happen anywhere across the country where there's a music therapist. Um, and that really gives them that hands-on, day-to-day experience with the treatment team and working with the clientele. Um, at the graduate degree, you have your board-certified music therapists who are coming back to get more in-depth training. So they have, you know, let's say I'm working with individuals with autism. Now I'm going to get more in-depth clinical expertise and advanced clinical skills within that population, as well as the building blocks for research so that I can take what I'm doing clinically and enhance not only my work through the research and making sure it's clinically effective, but also add to the research database and learn from others. And this is why this is a low residency program, yes. because it's for people who are working as music therapists. Yes, that's one of the things about that I love about our program, um, is that our program is really targeted to the practicing music therapist. So we have our, our newest cohort of 18 students. So this is 18 first-year students in the program, are from all over the country, and we even have international students. We have you know, individuals who are working in private practice, own their own companies and employ several music therapists. Um, we have individuals from California to Argentina to Florida to, you know, even the Boston metropolitan area that are learning from each other, but they already have their identities in their field. They have their, you know, whether they work at facilities or private practices or various institutions, 
they are solid in that, and now they're coming back, and these are going to be the leaders mm-hmm. and the visionaries of the field, and we're helping them get the skills to take them to that next level. So our graduate program is really specialized in that fact that these aren't entry-level therapists. These are experienced therapists that are looking to go to the next level. And I should probably mention that low residency means that they have to come to campus for, is it is it one weekend every semester? Or? It's, yes, there are basically five days each semester they okay. are on campus mm-hmm. in what we call learning retreats. So during those learning retreats, it's basically taking the coursework that they're going to do that semester and having that intensive hands-on time. So, you know, whether it's practicing new techniques and learning those new techniques and getting feedback or really collaborating with each other in person so that they have what they need so that when they go back, they're doing online as well, um, online learning, Mm -hmm. which does incorporate, um, you know, webinars and what have you. But that time together is to really put everything that you're learning and doing into action. Mm -hmm. And what are your plans for your first year as the chair of the department? Well, my first plan is getting to, we have a, one of the most diverse and active faculty in music therapy in the country. So we have um, approximately 10 music therapy faculty members, which is a lot. And we have experts in all arrays of populations, work, specialty areas from neurology to psychotherapy to um, international work with refugees, um, chronic illness, so on and so forth. So my first my first big push has been getting to know the faculty and their expertise and what we can do to support their research and their clinical work so that we're advancing the field of music therapy. Um, along with the lines of looking at our curriculum, knowing that the field has changed and has been growing, and is our curriculum in a place that it's it's meeting the needs of our students for this new generation. So making sure that we make the updates for the trends in the field, as well as for the advances in clinical work and research. So we're really looking at our curriculum to make sure that it's the best that we can offer. Um, And then we do have a Music Therapy Institute. And the Music Therapy Institute is our training site for placing students in community to do their practicums and with other partners. And what we're looking to do with that institute is to really make it as, as great as it could be so that we're establishing not only community partners for the purpose of training our students, but community partners to really advance the needs of this community and meet the needs of this community. You know, for example, we know that, you know, we have a large number of adolescents with sickle cell. And what can we do to help with pain management using music therapy, knowing that adolescents gravitate towards music, knowing that music therapy can be a natural partner. So partnering with those institutes um, and pain institutes and saying, okay, how can we incorporate music therapy at the same time as becoming research partners to make sure that we're addressing this need in our own community here in Boston? Well, all great stuff, and it sounds like you have a busy year ahead of you. I certainly do. Thank you. (laughs) Well, Joy Allen, thank you so much for joining us in Inside Berkeley. Thank you. This episode was engineered by student Andres Gonzalez in partnership with The Burn. I'm Kim Ashton for Inside Berkeley.